Welcome back to Open Door, a podcast that throws the doors open to the classrooms and schools of incredible educators from around the world. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Claire Jones. Claire is the deputy headteacher at Leighton Primary School in Blackpool in the north of England. Claire is also an Apple Distinguished Educator from the class of 2017, and she's a passionate advocate for the use of technology to enhance teaching and learning. During our conversation today, Claire and I discussed some of the amazing work that's coming out of Leighton Primary, including their recent work connected with the EU Code Week, and how the school leverages students as digital leaders to support peers and teachers. I was also curious to find out how Claire and her team ensure that their innovative practice is sustained going forward. Let's get into the conversation. Hi, Claire. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Happy holidays. Oh, indeed, indeed. I don't know what the weather's like up there in Blackpool, but down here in London, it's a full-blown, damp, cold, dark autumn night. Is it? It's often like that up north, even in the summer. We always seem to have dark nights. I can hear the rain outside oh, now, yeah. so, yeah. and down the hatches. Yeah, but we won't be gloomy with this. We'll try and no. keep it no. yeah, chill. I mentioned the weather because it feels like a world away from those long summer nights during the heat wave in Amsterdam when we were last together. I know. Um, That's a lifetime ago, doesn't it? It does. It does. Where did all that time go? I know. We've had a full full term, well, half a term back at school, haven't we? So seven weeks in or... So while we were together in Amsterdam for the Apple Distinguished Educator Institute, one of our big focuses during that time was on our why. And so why do we do what we do as educators? Why do we get out of bed in the morning? So I thought I'd ask you this to start with, throw you in at the deep end. Um, (laughs) Could you start telling us what's your why? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? My why, I think... Any any educator is biased about the the um, the school that they work in, but I think for me, my why is definitely for our pupils to sort of, to give them the best possible education that we can, and to those skills that are going to take into life. You know, at our school, we have our five values, um, like that our gold thread that run through the school, which are for our pupils. Let me try and get them right now to be resilient, reflective, risk taking resourceful and form positive relationships and instill those in them but also develop them as as critical thinkers just so that no matter where they go in life that this just underpins anything I think visit our school you know our pupils each day when you used to walk in you just see them and you know that's they're your why and I think that's why I've probably been at Leighton for 11 years you know I've been there for that length of time because you just sort of love working with those pupils. I know every teacher says the same, they love working with those pupils, but I think in the area that we're in, to, to give them those possibilities and that, that chance is sort of my, my why and why I sort of always think, you know, my heart's there from having been there as a child myself, that um, there's this, like, strong 
link there to try and go away but something pulls you back I don't know there's always other skills isn't there everyone says you'll find that at whatever school you go to you'll find that and give others a chance but mm. there's something about working with these pupils that's gets your why wow. that's a really meaningful why and that sort of links me on really nicely to my next question which so you mentioned that you went to Leighton Primary as a child yourself and now you're teaching there um, as deputy head so how was that experience? Um, how's the school changed during that time? It's changed massively. I think the building itself has changed. Obviously, we had like a, a new build put on. I think it was eight, eight, nine years ago. Um, when I went, it wasn't as large as it is now. I think it was one form entry when I was there. Um, it's like 200 pupils. We've now got over 600. So it's wow. it's grown massively. I think the community itself has changed. I'd say, you know, when I was younger, sort of, um, there was that real community. Everybody knew everybody. I think where we are now, there's lots of transients, lots of different people in and out of education. Um, and for me, I think when I sort of qualified, I went into teaching later on, and I saw there was a post advertised at the school, and me being nosy, I thought, oh, go and have a look, see how the school's changed. Um and as soon as I went in and walked around, just thought, well, there was just something about it that drew me back. And I thought, well, it's, it's obviously changed over the years, so I'll apply. And I actually took on, um, I think it was a 12-month maternity cover or something like that, or six-month maternity cover initially, just to get my foot in the door like you do with your first teaching job. Um, then that became a 12-month teaching post. Then it was another interview to become a permanent post mm. and after about three years a team leader post came up so an interview for that to be a temporary team leader and then I think I've had so many interviews at that school <laughs> <laughs> um, and so just went on you know from there and I'd, I'd been and one other post came up and when I thought right I'll look for an assistant head I went and I looked around other skills but I think because of our vision and culture and I know we'll come on to that in a bit in our ethos and I know you can start that at another school but you go and look around somewhere don't and you don't want when you go to another school you don't it's not going to be the school that you're at and you don't want it to be the same school do you but there's just yeah. something I'd go and look at another school and come back and it was just like coming home again and I just kept thinking uh. no and you feel like there's always something else that you want to finish before you move on and again I know people say there's always something you've always want to be finishing something <laughs> But I guess you know when it's the right time yeah. to go and take on something else. And at the moment, it's it's not. There's still a lot of unfinished things there, you know, at, at school as well. But um, so it has been, yeah, a huge part of my life. And again, we'd moved away from Leighton. And again, we, we don't live in Leighton now, sort of commuting. Mm-hmm. Um, but change massively, as is education. When I was there, I was talking about this a few weeks ago, how... You know, when this does sort of start to show my age now, where um, we talk about, you know, coding and things now. My first game at the time was um, Atari. Was it <laughs> Pong? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that sort of just shows how technology in itself has changed and education completely has changed. That's really interesting. It's really nice that you had that bond with the school and you're able to go back there. Um, were there any teachers who were there when you were as a child and then when you returned? 
No, no. There's a couple. There's a, a couple of married a couple that uh, teach there to married. They've been there. How long they've been there? Twenty something years. But no, they weren't there. Yeah, no, no, I, no. <laughs> I was there. I think they're the longest serving teachers that are there. <laughs> yeah. So you, you've had quite a journey within Leighton itself as a teacher, going through all those um, different roles, different positions that you've had. Um, have you always been a teacher? Was no. That always the plan? No. Well, it, it was. And from being tiny, I remember being about eight years old, something even younger, and my parents put me like a, a nighter that said, I, when I'm older, I want to be, and both my sisters had one, and I had one that said a teacher. And I was like the middle child, two sisters, and was always playing schools. And as soon as they came home from a day at school, I'd got them reading and my toys set out wanting to be a teacher. And it was something I'd always wanted to be. Um, when I got to secondary school, there wasn't the same nurture then or with, with careers that I think you get from teachers now. And it was sort of, well, you're not bright enough to be a teacher. I said, well, I want to be. Well, you're not bright enough. You're good at art. Go to art college. And off I went to art college for five years. Um and became a graphic designer but it was still sort of there I just knew that it was something that was in me that I wanted to do and I wouldn't be happy until I gave it a go so it was only sort of things that happen in life and one thing and another where you just something happens and you just think do you know what actually I'm going to to do this so the day um our daughter started school was the day I went back to night oh, school wow. and did my GCSEs and A-levels and then went off to university for four years Oh, amazing. Funny these turns that life can throw at you now. It is. And I think if somebody says, I'm one of those, if somebody says to me, you can't do it, then you just think, do you know what? I, I will. At, at some point, I will do it and I'll show you and prove I can that anything's possible, isn't it, really? If Definitely. you've got something else, then go. Absolutely. And so, um, speaking a bit more about your school, about Leighton Primary School, can you tell us? a little a bit about the school itself um what's the school's vision um where are the students coming from what's the sort of makeup there yeah so the, the school it's no that it's in blackpool for those who i'm sure many people know where blackpool is from the northwest coast of england many people know it for blackpool tower and the illuminations and blackpool's always in the news but as we said before always the wrong reasons so um I think the latest ones were like the second to ninth most deprived district in the UK. I think first was Jaywick and then second to ninth is Blackpill. So we're taking up sort of eight positions there. Um, 31% of children live in low income deprived households. 21% of adults are in employment deprivation. It's got the lowest life expectancy for sort of, you know, men and women, alcohol problems. But for us, we don't take that as a sympathy vote for anybody. Mm -hmm. for, for our school, we just raise the bar even more in the challenge for our pupils. Um, so for us, we've got over 600 pupils. We have a real mix of pupils that come. We have a hospital down the road. So we have some doctors who send children there. We also have a large council estate across the road. So we get a lot that come from there. We have a lot of transients because of the work in Blackpool. There's a lot of um, with the illuminations, work in hotels. So people come and get seasonal jobs, then they leave. So I think September alone this time, I think we had something like 26 new starters alone, you know, just so we've constantly got children in and out um, of our classes. Um, 
obviously put premiums higher than sort of the national averages. Um, I think we're about four to five percent free school meals, forty some between forty and fifty percent sort of fluctuates um, for that. But our vision has always we had um, our head current head teacher joined us eight years ago, and he'd used Apple technology at his previous school, and his vision was very much about developing independent learners be that pupils teachers and it was you know sort of adamant that technology was going to sort of be at the heart of that because it's seen the impact it had had at his previous school yeah so that was huge going from a school where we'd had the old ict suite we all know about them where nothing works <laughs> you take your pupils down there don't you and spend about an hour trying to log in, remember passwords, get some batteries for the mice. Yeah, and, um, if you're lucky. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Only to find out it doesn't work. And that's great when we yeah. get a one class to do as well. <laughs> so a lot of the vision has sort of stemmed from, you know, like his, his vision coming to our, our school and we'll speak, you know, he's done numerous podcasts and is, is on, on Twitter and we'll speak about you know his his vision for for our school, but it's had you know significant impact since That's he's amazing. been there. So something's working somewhere. As going back to what you were saying about your why at the start, you know that those challenges that you face within the the local area, you know that obviously makes that why building those skills, um, building those five R's you mentioned that much more important no and i can see why that gives you a clear drive as an educator definitely and i think you know anyone comes to school you see those five hours i think Hofstede sort of said that to us are the gold threads that run through the school so when we have our own praise assembly on a friday morning and we have a learner of the week from each class and the teachers have to sort of say about those children which of those five hours they've use you know real stuff well that week so they've been resilient in the work or resourceful and then we have hot chocolate friday um which is lovely it's obviously on a friday and um, (laughs) you know one child from each class comes and they they get to say why they're there and they'll sit there and say i've come this week because i've been reflective in my work and Uh you know it just runs everything and to hear a a four-year-old say you know my teacher sent me because i've been resilient in such and such a work and um <laughs> it really does, and you can't teach resilience, can you? You know, you can't have somebody just come in for one afternoon a week no. and give you some worksheets, and you're going to be resilient. You, you, it's something you've got to work at over time, isn't it? And that comes through the lessons, you know, the the curriculum that our pupils have with the challenge. Because I know before we brought these in eight years ago. Our pupils weren't resilient. I remember the first time I came to air play a child's piece of work in year six, and it was awful. They were like, get it down, I don't want it. There was like anarchy in the classroom because we haven't <laughs> any work on being resilient, be resilient or reflective. Or So they really asked key skills that they're going to, you know, when you look about the context of the, you know, their backgrounds, where they're coming from, and the knockbacks they're going to get in life and the parents get on a daily basis, those are key skills that they need yeah. to get them through. Like We all do, don't we? Yeah, and as you say, that's not something that can just be taught in standalone. That's something that a whole school has got to work towards as a community and that's build on 
over several years, isn't it? Yeah, you can't, those skills. your growth mindset, you can't just put a post up because you've got a post up, you expect everyone to have a growth mindset. It mm-hmm. just doesn't happen, does it? It's It's got to be part of your culture. Definitely. And there's so much amazing stuff going on at Leighton. Um, in your role as deputy head, do you still find time to get out and get into the classroom? I, I do. I think the one thing... I know I was saying again, Jonathan, our head will always say is first to most, you know, foremost, we are teachers. He always said as head teacher, he is the head of teaching and I am the deputy head of teaching. And probably our, probably our downfall is probably that we spend too much time wanting to be in the classroom. And sometimes you're sort of like, you look at your performance management and your targets and how you're meant to be planning strategically and doing all this other school to school work. But we, we love being in the classroom and going into PPA sessions. And it is hard because in a large school, that sort of thing, you've got to prioritise as well where you're going to put that yeah. support. But you've also, we sort of try to empower others as well, like support, challenge and empower others to lead as well. Because otherwise, if you keep going into class, you're not going to develop others, are you? are not going to you know, have that distributed leadership yeah. So it's getting that balance. But even if it's just, you know, you do, you just to go in sitting class and, we'll, you know, go in and like just coaching, teaching, going in and, you know, the, the first few weeks back, I was sort of in year four and teaching year four class with coding. So any opportunity we get. We're in. And also, if you've got, you know, you, how can you stand there and lead any sort of, you know, CPD sessions or anything if you've not been in class exactly. doing it? You know, how do you got if you've got that credibility? You've got to be out there, haven't you, doing this as well? Otherwise, there's, there's no respect or from anybody else. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think as soon as you step out of the classroom and you've got no connection with the children or with, you know, what's actually going on in the school environment, that becomes a very, it's a very dangerous line, isn't it, for senior yeah. leadership? Definitely. And it is getting that line. And there's, we probably need to work so much more on, on getting it right because, you know, I, I don't think... We are, we probably do too much of one thing and not enough of the other. And I think sometimes we're a bit too much like the cavalry if there's a problem with the ones that are like, right, come on, we're going and <laughs> it out. And we've got to realise, well, actually, we've got a middle leadership team. Every year group, bar one at the moment, has got a team leader. Okay. You know, but I think the culture we work in, we are like, we are different. You know, we've got an open door for our SLT office. Anybody can come in anytime. And, you know, we're always about, we can come and see us and... Oh, amazing so uh, it's been a busy few weeks up there in Blackpool you know, and they've been featured by Apple as part of their code week activities I've seen you've been uh, getting involved running some coding workshops at the local Apple store um, mm-hmm. you've just been through your Apple distinguished school um, process again uh, and so you've been recognized for your continuous uh, innovative practice as a school what's the secret how do you keep all this going? I think it's the fact when there's no I in team, so none of it is just me. We we have that. I know it's sort of the, like the, the best staff and the best team, and I, I think the, the sort of the way to sum it up how our teachers always want to improve. So, for example, two years ago we had Ofsted, and um, this is you no, know, we haven't. We've got 21 classes. We haven't got time to give feedback to 21 teachers. Yeah. 
So, so our teacher said, well, it's fine, we'll all come in together. And they came out and there was literally 21 teachers all waiting because they wanted feedback from Ofsted and they were going in in groups together to get feedback and just listening to each other's feedback because they want to improve and they want to be at that forefront of innovation. And, you know, we, we have an innovation team, I think, was it last year? I think it was at the um, Apple Distinguished School Conference. I know you were at as well. And one of the things that Joe Perkins mentioned was about sustaining innovation, wasn't it? And how as schools you sustain innovation. So we went back and spoke about that. And as a result of that, we set up an innovation team. Um, so there was more teachers on the team. We had um, a newly qualified teacher, a teacher joined us who'd been teaching for 21 years, I think it was, never used Apple technology. She came on the innovation team. Um, Alice, not your, you know, she met Alice, um, mm-hmm. new distinguished educator, a real mix of about seven different teachers that we sort of took on um, and we set up this team as well, just so that in each year group and across the phases, there's someone that's sort of driving that that vision still and supporting other staff. And mm-hmm. I think through the doing that, that's sort of why we're able to do what we do because it's just ingrained in your everyday teaching. It's it's that vision, isn't it? It's at the forefront of yeah. every conversation that you, you have. We have um, key stage meetings each week. So we get to share those different things in key stage meetings like the coding and what who's tried this and what's worked and what hasn't worked and open doors. So we're having three classes in each year group. The teachers can just go between classes meet at a school and I just think the way that whole culture is of the school just means we can do the things we do because if we didn't it wouldn't happen because you can't do anything on your own can you you've got to have that team to do it and and you feel like you've you've done that's a good job you sort of like feel like such a proud parent when you've (laughs) the RT the um we're an Apple regional training centre and I sort of, you know, when we started it, and just thought, there's no way I can do these sessions on my own. And we've had like, 10 or 12 teachers, something like that, delivering all these different sessions. Um, and to see them empowered to do that, you just feel so proud, you know, of them to do that, that you've got that culture in school. Yeah. You know, well, it sounds like you're... It sounds like you're already fostering the next class of um, ADEs for 2021. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, we've sort of at St. Cyrus need to watch out here. Richard's and the <laughs> skill was to there, yeah. They're, they're, they're three at the moment, aren't they? They've got three in their yeah, school. Yeah. And I think Bolton Grammar School have got, they, oh, they've got four actually. Oh, Bolton School, yeah. So we need to beat four. We need to have a battle. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to sort of think of that um succession planning all the time haven't you so that if you when you if you do go when you do go that it's all still in place that nothing's going to stop because we all think it's going to don't we you know what it's like if you're off sick or you're away and you just think oh yeah. no we can do it like i can but you, it does still run it does still happen but it's just sort of making sure that that's still in place if you do go and it runs and it does you can sort of just step back now and just watch it happen which is hard as well yeah <laughs> isn't it, it. And yeah you know as you said then that um, workshop about sustaining innovation and making it sustainable has got to continue with or without you there hasn't it yeah 
And that's um, great professional development that comes out of those. Somebody asked the other day and said, you know, what what do you get out of it from being like, you know, an Apple distinguished girl? I'm sure you've had the same questions sort of answered and asked. And I think it is that professional development. And just when you're in your own school, you've just got these blinkers on and you're just thinking about your school and just to step out and just to have that simple question about, you know, that Joe posed to us and just to speak to other like-minded people really does give you food for thought and is is great professional development yeah definitely reflecting on where you are and where you want to be is mm. really important isn't it yeah um just go, going back briefly to what um yeah, i mentioned that you you were heavily involved in some of the, the code week activities yeah. and uh you shared some of that in i think you did an interview on the app store and it was a little post on there and so you were talking about how you've integrated teaching code across the curriculum can you tell us a bit about how that's run yeah so our pupils when um, when they're four years old and they start school that's when they start coding we i don't mean we put them onto swift or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> <Straight> away. <laughs> um, that's week four but we um straight away they'll, they'll be making um necklaces and they start putting beads on and they're looking at sequences and patterns but obviously there's you don't just get used to that language and they'll make dances and they've got to repeat the patterns to each other. Um, they'll be having like repetition in stories. So straight away, they're being exposed to that language, you know, words like if and then that we use in, in coding language. So, you know, if you wash your hands, then you can eat your fruit. So all the time they're being exposed to this language around them, but they're not realising it's code. And then as they progress and they start moving into year one, we um again they'll start the, with the teachers will use the um, learn to code guides mm-hmm. which are fantastic because you don't have to be a coder everything's in there for them to use and we we don't buy schemes of work at school but these guides have been fantastic just to sort of show because i think the language sometimes puts teachers off but i know like even with algorithms when you're saying to them look it's instructions you know yeah. that's all it is and you're exposing them so again, they'll just start in in year one. More recently, we're making. Um, they had a dinosaur on the loose. I think this this story was on the the app store or one of the articles. And um, the the teacher was saying, you know, we need to, this dinosaur's on the loose, and we, we've got to get it back into the zoo. What can we do? And one of the children said, we could make a jam sandwich. So then <laughs> instructions to make a jam sandwich. But again, the teacher was saying, well, what happens if I put the jam on the outside of the bread? And we're saying, well, it won't work and there's a problem. So <laughs> we're getting used to going to algorithms, what the problem might be. Um, and at the end of the day, they left the sandwich out and the next morning there was just crumbs there. So they knew that they'd succeeded and got the um oh, back in. fantastic. But, but we just talk about, you know, looking for bugs in your spellings, you know. So again, if you spelled a, a word incorrectly, and we say, well, there's, there's a bug in, in the, the spelling and we start to introduce them. To that language and if they're using garage band we'll look for loops in music and then the stuff like you know trying to if they could be drawing or something like that in mass shapes and they've got algorithms to follow and it's just that language you know and code we keep saying is all around us isn't it yeah the way oh. that they start you know by your sequence when you think when they're four years old and you can't just say brush your teeth. You've got to say get your toothbrush, put it under the water, yeah. in the water. <laughs> As they get older, it just becomes a function, doesn't it? It's go and brush your Absolutely. teeth. And we think in functions, 
all the time, thank goodness, because it makes things so much quicker. <laughs> Just exposing them, you know, like that. By the time so they've gone from being age four choosing that, so by the time they're actually starting to use the language as they get to like year three and they're using the Swift Playground app and using that language, it's nothing new to them because they've been using it and being exposed to it from age four. And it's that progression which just runs so smoothly, you know, as, as they go through school and they have working walls up. Every classroom has a working wall up. So when they're exposed to a new vocabulary, that goes on the working wall. They have um, coding journals, each pupil on their iPad. We're one-to-one um, devices for our school. So you'll have a, this code journal. So any new vocabulary, they put into the coding journal. They can take screenshots, put screenshots in there, any videos. And again, it shows that progression as they go through skills. By the time they get into the next year, and they come come and refer back to it as well. So, oh, that's amazing, and I, I love the way that you know it's made relevant to the children and bringing in that computational thinking, mm. whether it's in a coding lesson or whether it's as you say, just in real life. You know, the fact that we do think in functions and it makes our life so much easier. And by giving the students that vocabulary but then able to apply it when they come to do coding later on. And I think That's it's amazing. that just then about relevance. I think for us, every, every time we do, you know, we, we talk about everything has to have a real purpose for mm-hmm. doing it. So we always talk about writing, you know, every piece of writing has a purpose, doesn't it? If you go into the shop to buy something, you, put, you might put your notes on the phone. Well, that piece of writing, those notes have got a purpose. And the same for coding, we try and give it a real put it into a real life context and purpose so when you know we use the drones we've got the um drones in school and we'd use those at the start of term in year four and we'd been learning about um the amazon rainforest and some of the pupils were looking at different images and they were saying well how have these images been taken how, how have they got above um the trees to see the damage and we started talking about drones and then why would you code drones rather than using a remote control for them and different types of jobs where you might start using the drone and giving it a real purpose not just right we've got these drones we're going to the hall we're going to go and fly them (laughs) so then they started they were going to make a drone pilot's handbook so they had to then we went to pilot school and we got to pilot school and they fly the drones and then they write um, a drone pilot's handbook afterwards for their peers to then go and use the drones as well Oh, that was great. Along with the safety, before they use the drones as well, they have their um, some of their peers come in and go through like a health and safety quiz with them. <laughs> so there's always one of them running around the hall saying, make sure you've got your goggles on. Oh, yeah. I saw them in the video with the goggles <laughs> yeah. on. I'll forget that. Yeah. So, uh, what, what's been the benefit that you've seen of integrating this across the curriculum? How is it having an effect on the rest of the learning? I think, you know, we talk about our five hours, but the skills from coding, you think when you come to code, I mean, first, A, you need the resilience because just, again, coming back to the drones, I know when we took, um, when, when we've used them and the children are going to code them. So once they've been on the Swift Playground app and there's the drone, um, like, playground app you can work through, and then they set up an assault course to, to, to code the drones through, I'm just watching two of the boys and they've got these cones with the, the hoops on and they had to get um, the drone to go through the, the hoop. Mm-hmm. 
I must have spent about 50 minutes, 40, 50 minutes, trying to get to code the drone to go through the hoop, and it was too high, too low. <laughs> but they kept going and going. Now, if they didn't have that resilience, and we hadn't worked on that, going back eight years, that drone would have been in pieces. <laughs> can't do this. So you need that. But the problem solving that went through that and the collaboration, you know, as as a teacher, you you just become the facilitator, don't you? Sort of sitting back, yeah. watching the learners, sort of asking the odd question what they could do. But they were having to solve the problems. You know, where was the bug in this? What can we do to improve it? Let's try again. So it's that critical thinking, the collaboration, the problem solving that then they can take to the maths lesson. So, you know, they, when they set a challenge and, you know, they can choose to like which, which level they're going to be working at and they all seem to go for the, like the, the spicy challenge or something like that because that problem solving, you know, and that critical thinking just comes into any, any lesson. So it's had a huge, huge impact across the curriculum, you know, and when in your history, if you've got evidence to look at and you've got to be a critical thinker, then, you? you know, like your fake news, what's, what's real and what's, what's not it just makes them reflective and yeah sort of analytical on and you know it they are just we keep saying these transferable skills basically aren't they? they're just going to take yeah. through life if they become coders or, or not it's definitely well i know from my own experience uh teaching a, a coding club that that resilience is definitely part of it like, uh-huh. i have a I, I run two clubs and i think um there's one club that's got 10 students in the other's got about six or seven and sometimes it feels like i've got all of the children all at once saying mr galley mr galley this doesn't work <laughs> there's an error <coughs> and so it's about building those skills isn't it and um and helping it to overcome that yeah um so, and that's it's got to start when it's so young hasn't it as well because oh, yeah just it's it's yeah. just got to start soon as absolutely and so one of your other initiatives um, is to recruit students as digital leaders. Um, so can you tell us a bit about this digital leaders program and what's the purpose behind it? Yeah, we, we st- I started that. It was us to go back a bit, I suppose, about eight years ago. Again, it was when our new head, well, it's not a new head teacher, but at the time he, when Jonathan joined us. And um, first of all, he gave us 30 iPads to use across year six. I was year 16 leader. And he said, here's 30 iPads. I want you to use them across 90 pupils. Let me know what you think. And off we went with them sort of thing. Um, So I'd had them in my class at first. And the boys sort of started using and looking at different apps. And they were the ones that said, why don't we set up a club? And they said, you know, because every teacher had also been given an iPad and a MacBook. Yeah. Um, at the start of the summer holidays but when they came back to school many of them hadn't even used them they were still in the cellophane <laughs> because you know they, they'd only use the internet to go book holidays to their online shopping mm-hmm. so they hadn't used them so the pupils look if we make these little videos we'd also set up a blog then teachers could access the videos at home and we could teach them how to use different things so we started doing that. We'd make at lunchtime to do little screencast videos. So, you know, how to, simple things like how to share a piece of work on, you know, onto, onto the, um, the the screen and whatever. And then it's sort of evolved from there. Then they started doing like, um, as the teachers started using more things, they then started saying, like, we'll do app of the week. 
So they yeah. started making apps. Um, they then started to go into class with the teachers and start supporting the teachers in class, working with some of the pupils. Um, so we thought we'd make it official. And we set up, so we, they became digital leaders. So then after the first year, we then said, right, we'll carry it on, but then pupils need to apply. Rather than just being my class, we need to open this up. And we then got more devices in school as well. So pupils had to um, apply. And then about two years ago, I think it was carrying on, and they wanted to have a rebrand, and they wanted to become iLeaders. <laughs> um, so they, they rebranded, and we now have um, three fantastic learning support assistants that just run with them. So we have um, Katie Fairclough, who set up our iLeaders in year two. So she's a learning our foundation stage um, learning support assistant. And then we have Gemma Raskin, who's a year six learning support assistant, and Claire Looker, who's in year four. And they both sort of lead our key stage two um, iLeaders. And again, for these learning support assistants who'd never used Apple technology up till sort of, you know, probably three or four years ago for them. And they're now running like Lego EV3 clubs, you know, wow. with them. Um, and all sorts of things. And the purpose is for it, so we're going back to that, is that it gives our pupils a real voice instead of driving that. When we're talking about that sustaining innovation, they're a part of that. So they'll run lunchtime clubs for their peers. So they'll do, um, they'll have drone club, green screen club, app of the week club. And they produce a vlog every Friday and they still go around the school or get in news, film the vlog, push it out onto our app. They'll then also um, go into class if they've learned something, some new skills. They'll go into class, work with the class teacher, teach the peers new skills as well. So it's really giving them that voice. And again, sort of that, it goes, you know, our motto of, is growing great minds together. And it just shows that the teachers are learning with the pupils. There's no, we're the teacher, we should know everything. We're all learning these new skills together. They'll come into staff meetings teach us something new so like when the everyone can create guides came out they were looking at different things on there leading key stage meetings staff meetings um they're a super team absolutely super and as are our learning support assistants now who sort of run with it so it's gone from again me having something to them now just running with it and they do a fantastic job of it and each year that new ones apply so we have our alumni each year and then we have a new cohort <laughs> Um, a bit like the ADEs really and uh, <laughs> and they just again when they come to apply it's not all about being tech savvy but it comes back to those five R's you know I'd be a great high leader because I'm good at relationships and working with others and I'm resilient and because they know they're going to learn new skills when they take on the role so yeah and it's very much in the sort of the fashion as how you would apply for a job in the real world, isn't it? And it is, yeah. They've got to sell themselves and they're working together. And I think what I love about this is I don't think this would work if you didn't have that culture, that ethos as a school of supporting one another and the fact that the teaching assistants are learning at the same time as the children and everyone's supporting each other. Definitely. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and. I know that one of the things you have the um, your eye leaders do is that they complete the Apple teachers' badges. Is that right? They, they do, yeah. So when everyone in our school, every teacher, every learning support assistant is an Apple teacher. So 
even when a post is advertised, you know, at school, when they come for the walk round, we always talk about technology. And, you know, we don't say, you know, you have to know how to choose this because if you come and work with us, we're going to support you in that. And one of the first things that teachers do in the Journal School is work through the Apple Teacher Badges and they get support and time to do that as, as well. Um, so when we first did it, and our teachers started getting certificates and our right leaders saw them. I'm like, well, what are these? So we sort of showed them, well, why can't we do it? So I thought, well, you know, why why can't they do it? So um, we arranged it so that they could complete them and set up their own logins. And the first thing they do when they become an I leader is they work through the Apple teacher badges uh, and then they get a certificate as, as well. That's amazing. Well, what are some of the practicalities and setting that up in terms of getting the students to become um, Apple teachers? Do they just use their own Apple IDs? Or? I think, yeah, that was our um, Apple solutions experts that set that up. They're sort of, we have them in two days a week. Um, that was the other thing. We used to have a full-time support technician. And when we sort of went sort of down the Apple route, and everything just works and we've got the infrastructure right. We didn't need somebody full time then. So with our solutions expert, we have them in two days a week. And again, if we sort of need something, it's one of those like we'll drop them an email and we, we really want to do this. How can we do it? <laughs> magic? They arrange it and the next thing all our pupils can log in and be you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So it can't really be too difficult because they seem to just do it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's such a great program. And I know that a lot of schools around the world have something similar where they're using the children and getting them to be digital champions, digital leaders. Um, for those schools that maybe don't have a similar program, what sort of advice would you give to them before setting up something like this? I'd say start small. First of all, so just with like a small group, like, you know, definitely start with sort of the older ones, first of all, and just sort of focus on, keep it simple, I think, first of all. So like for us, it was just like how, you know, how to airplay, how to to use markup, um, to, you know, don't go out trying to, and, and focus on the learning. I know one of the things, and you'll probably be the same at your school, if you have any visitors that come for anything, they'll always say, they'll listen to your whole day and your vision, everything else, and like, which apps shall we use? <laughs> we keep saying it's not about the app. The best app is the teacher who's got the device at the time, you know, and that's the good thing. We've done so much work on pedagogy and the work of, you know, Dylan William and John Hattie and assessment and feedback. If we hadn't done that, I don't think technology would have the same impact in how we give feedback. So the same for actually setting up digital leaders. Keep it simple first. Don't, you know, if, if it's not going to have any impact, don't do it. Because you can go, we did, we, honest to goodness, at, at first we had someone in and the teachers, we had pages and pages of apps and they went app happy and it was absolutely, <laughs> you know, and, and I did it too. I'd got an app for everything. I was trying to use these different things. And, but I think you have to go through that stage first, don't you? And then we sort of came back and thought, actually, no, this just needs to come back now to good old teaching and learning and what's going to have the biggest impact. Keep it simple. Yeah. Well, I think you've taken us full circle there. And, you know, we started talking about the why why we do things and 
that's obviously got to be the the driver if you're giving something like a digital leaders program or if you're getting your teachers to become apple teachers whatever it may be you've got to revert back to that why and link it back to your vision haven't you Uh, not just doing it for the sake of it not just doing it as something that is going to market the school but actually thinking about the pedagogy behind it thinking about the teaching and learning Definitely. Yeah. So, Claire, it's been a really busy half term in Blackpool. Um, what's next? Oh, crikey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Another half term um, break. Um, <laughs> there's all sorts of things. Um, sort of come, it, it feels a bit like at the moment it's on X Factors, where you know, like when you've been on X Factor and you feel like you've got to <laughs> like, get your 10 minutes. Because for our skill, so Blackpool, you know, coming back full circle again, Blackpool is constantly in the news for all the wrong reasons. So for us to get out there, you know, at the end of the day, we're still a local authority, maintained school. You know, we're, we're not an academy. We're, we're on our own. There's not many school. We don't have an authority left as such. You know, we'd, there's not much out there. It's why we try and offer this school to school support. So for us just to get out there and bang our drum and say look you know this is what's possible for our pupils where they come from you know our, our results the last eight years have been way above national averages our end of year six results for the, the last eight years you're just trying to show that this is possible and if we can do it anybody can do it so you know we're sort of trying to look at working with our local secondary schools on that by saying look this is what they're doing now if they're designing these app prototypes now when they get to you they should be writing that code they should be getting these apps made and getting on the app store and yeah. let them continue these skills so for us we're going to still keep banging our drum we've got the um apple regional training center sessions to to organize we had one a couple of weeks ago in code week and we had i think it was 100 100 teachers there which was fantastic so we're just going to keep on doing what we do but basically just to you know at the end of the day school comes first and our pupils come first and we'll keep keep doing that well it's been really inspiring to follow your story and to see the videos to see the the interviews and the articles coming out and um i look forward to reading your new apple distinguished school book when that's released and um I also look forward to finally getting to pay a visit to you one day. That's always, always. It's on my to-do list. Yeah. Um, we've, got an event the, we've got an event on the 20th of November, the free event. So if oh, you okay. Can I'll, I'll Shameless the plug. <laughs> <laughs> so, Claire, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak to me tonight. Um, where you. can people learn more about you and your work and the great practice at Leighton? They can um, on people on Twitter. So I think I'm at Dephead underscore Jones. I think on Twitter um, they can message me on there. We've got a school website, but I think that's just undergoing a, a revamp at the moment. So um, probably Twitter is probably the best way. Or then I think when the Apple Distinguished School Books published, I think the emails are on the back of there as well. So drop oh, me okay. an email button. And it's great for us as well to go out and visit other schools because we've got so much to learn from others as well and that's what about this community and again these just listen to our educators because there's so much to learn from everyone out there as well it's just having time to then filter through everything isn't it oh i know (laughs) (laughs) it is indeed yeah well 
Claire, thank you so much. No, and we'll be in touch very soon. Thank you. You take care. Thanks again to Claire for joining me for this week's episode. Her passion and enthusiasm is contagious. One of the biggest takeaways for me was how Leighton Primary operates as a team. The whole school community is united in working towards its own why. They all want to ensure their learners are given the best possible opportunities. As the phrase goes, it takes a village, and Claire and Leighton are a great example of this. I think whether it's the head teacher, the team leaders, the teaching assistants or students, there's just a real sense of community and this unity is having such a massive impact on student learning. If you aren't already doing so, please make sure that you follow Claire and her colleagues on Twitter and there's links to um, her Twitter profile and also Leighton's ADS book and website in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps others to find us and to spread the word. You can follow me on Twitter. I am cgalleyedu. And you can also find my co-host, Lee Blowers, at Mr. Blowers. We'll be back soon with more incredible guests and topics. Thanks for tuning in.